All right, hey. Welcome to Greystone Church. My name's Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors. I'd like to welcome our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, everybody who's watching online. We had a phenomenal summer, did we not? It was a, it was a busy summer. We started off with sports camps, student camps, children's camps. We went to Brazil and Honduras and Scotland, and God did some amazing things. And I just wanted us to recognize, I wanted to thank all the staff who preached this summer. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Can we give them a big hand? I was super impressed with them. And, it, and it's, fun, it's fun for me because we are raising up. We are raising up young men and young women. We're raising up pastors. And we're going to send people to the ends of the earth. Today we're talking about the vision of Greystone Church. We're talking about uh, the mission of Grace Town Church. And I just, I just want to dive right in, okay? We're just, we're just going to get right to it. I hope everyone knows the mission of Grace Town Church. Do you guys know the mission? Can we say that together? Our mission is to know God and make God known, right? Everybody knows that. Like, that's, that's the purpose of every Christian. That should be the purpose of every church is to know God and make God known. Some of us still have these wristbands from a few years ago. Know God, make God known. Today I want to talk about the vision. What is the vision of Greystone Church? And we have this long narrative that, that describes the vision of Greystone. It's on the back of your talk notes. I'm going to read the whole vision. And I, I, want you to, I want you to think about what part of this vision resonates with you. And I actually wrote this 17 years ago. We were still living in Texas before we moved to Georgia. Some of this vision is becoming a reality. Some of it we still, we still have a long way to go. It says, we dream of thousands of people across greater Atlanta coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We dream of individuals and families from all walks of life experiencing God's love, grace, and forgiveness. We see believers growing in their personal walk with God and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. We see them living authentic Christian lives by being faithful stewards in every area of their lives. We envision a church built on life-on-life -life discipleship where true spiritual multiplication is taking place. We see an army of servant leaders consisting of spiritually mature men, women, and youth who are investing their lives in younger believers. We see a Sunday morning service full of people of all ages who are truly entering in the presence of God and sincerely worshiping Him with all of their hearts, minds, and souls. We hear a relevant, creative, biblical message taught through different mediums that helps individuals and families live lives glorifying to God. We see individuals and families connecting with one another through small groups and experiencing life together as a team, a family. We dream of a church being a light to, the, to those around us by meeting the needs of our community and transforming our culture. We dream of being a launching pad of the world. We envision raising up leaders, families, and teams to be sent as missionaries to the ends of the earth. We dream of planting hundreds of churches, starting many new ministries, and assisting laborers in the harvest all over the world. We dream of growing big by staying small while disappearing into the backdrop so that God may have all the glory. Now, if you're a member of Greystone Church, or if you call Greystone Church your home, there is something in this vision narrative that resonates with you. There, there's something in this 
that fires you up, that excites you, that you're, you're passionate about. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. The reason you're here is, is because of something that's in this vision statement. Now, our staff leadership team, we did, we did a planning retreat earlier in the year, I think maybe February, March. And we had a, we had a church consultant, and we, we went through this, and he really encouraged us, let's take the vision narrative. Like everyone knows, know God, make God known. That's the mission. The vision is the dream. It's what we see God doing in the future. It's where we're heading. It's what we're doing. So he said, I want you to, I want you to summarize that into a memorable statement that, that, that everyone knows. Just as everyone knows, know God, make God known. We want everyone to know the statement. This is what we summarize the vision to, making and multiplying disciples. Okay, making and multiplying disciples. We have new wristbands. I've got it on today. Uh, white with black. It says, making and multiplying disciples. So our mission is to know God and make God known, and we do it through making and multiplying disciples. So if our vision is making and multiplying disciples, how are we doing? <laughs> How's business? You ever, you ever talk to someone and someone says, hey, hey what, what's your business? And you share with them what your, what your business is. And they say, how's business? How's the business going? How, how are we doing? I don't think we can say this right now, but, but one day I want us to be like Antonio Brown. Y'all know who Antonio Brown is? Wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders. Used to be with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he's a former Mississippi mullet, which is my fantasy football team. Which, by the way, I am the reigning champion of the Greystone Elite fantasy football team. I'm not, not bragging or anything. I'm just stating the facts. <laughs> Antonio Brown has won many games for me. But Antonio Brown says, business is booming, right? How's business? Business is booming. <laughs> I don't think we can say this right now about making disciples, but one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, when, when people ask us, how's business? How, how are we doing with Making disciples, business is booming, <laughs> right? Business is booming. This is the Great Commission. I, I want to read Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. This is right before Jesus ascends into heaven. These are his last instructions to the disciples, the last instructions to the church. This is what he's called us to do. This is what he's commanded us to do. This is, this is what our church is supposed to be doing. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He just rose from the grave. He appeared to over 500 people over the course of 40 days. He's about to ascend into heaven and he gives us this command. The king gives us these marching orders. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. This is the great commission. This is what God has called us as believers. This is what God has called the church to do. So this making disciples is divided up in, into two parts. One is evangelism. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It's evangelism. We want to see people's lives change for all eternity. But it's also 
discipleship. Seeing people, teaching them to obey everything I've committed. Seeing, seeing people grow to spiritual maturity. So we did a leadership survey earlier in the year. We had about 100 leaders at Greystone anonymously evaluate the ministries of Greystone Church. I mean, we put, you know, we, we put everything to, the, to evaluation of, of everybody. How's the preaching? Kind of tough re- reading some of the comments on there. Some good ones, some bad ones. How's the worship? How's the student ministry? How's the children's ministry? How's the how's missions? How's small groups? How's discipleship? Like we, like we did an a inventory of how we're doing at Greystone Church. And when it, when it comes to making disciples, what, what we learned from the survey and what you guys said, the leaders of Greystone Church said, is we're great at evangelism. We're great at reaching people for Jesus Christ. We've seen over 1,400 people crash the waters of baptism. Okay, we, we, are, we are good at bringing people in. Where we're not good is discipleship. It's helping people grow to spiritual maturity. Now, we're going to keep reaching people, right? I mean, <laughs> we're going to keep reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to keep filling up the waters of baptism in the last Sunday of every, every month and seeing, seeing people crash the waters. But we, we are shifting a major focus into discipleship and really helping people grow to spiritual maturity. Making disciples. And so I want to talk about this vision. Making and multiplying disciples. This is, this is something I'm deeply passionate about. This is something our church is passionate about. This is something we began the church on. We used to have more people in discipleship groups than actually came to church on Sunday mornings. We're passionate about making disciples, and so we're refocusing the church. Point number one, if, if you're taking notes, is disciples are made, not born. Disciples are made, not born. Just as none of us is born a Christian, <laughs> although some of our kids started coming to church like when they were three days old, <laughs> We're not born a disciple of Jesus Christ. Disciples are made. It's something we come. It's something, it's something that we do. It's something that we make. Making disciples is a process. Making disciples takes time. Making disciples takes skill. Making disciples takes hard work. Making disciples takes commitment. So if we're making disciples, what kind of disciples are we making? Are we making disciples of Peter, disciples of Paul, Mary? Are we making disciples of Peter, Paul, and Mary? The old people got that, right? (laughs) Are we making disciples of Barnabas? Are we making disciples of Dorcas? Some pouty needs to name their child Dorcas. That is a great, beautiful, biblical name, and I haven't seen anyone here name their child Dorcas. Are we making disciples of Jonathan Howes? Are we making disciples of Jennifer? Are we making disciples of Josh or Heath or Alan? Who are we making disciples of? Jesus. We're making disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we're making disciples of Jesus Christ, what does a disciple look like? Like, how do we know if 
if we made one, right? I mean, if we're making tables, okay, what, what do we want our tables to look like? What's the table made of? How tall is it going to be? How wide is it going to be? What's it, what's it look, is this the finished product if we're making tables? If we're making bicycles, what do we want the bicycles to look like? Two wheels, handlebars, a frame, a seat, you know, they, it pedals, it works. If we're making disciples of Jesus, what does a disciple of Jesus look like? How, how do we know if we made one? How, how do we know what one looks like? So we're going to answer that question over the next nine weeks, okay? We're about to launch into a nine-week message series. I'm doing eight of the nine weeks on what, is, what are the marks of a disciple. These are the nine marks of a disciple. Are you a disciple? Which of these marks do you need to grow in? What, which of these characteristics? I'm, I'm strong in this area, but I'm, but I'm lacking in this area. Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do, do I have the nine marks of a disciple of Jesus? And am I making disciples of Jesus? What's our strategy for making disciples? How do we, how do, we do this? Disciples are made through life on life discipleship. Disciples are made through life-on-life life discipleship. This was Jesus Christ's model. Now, Jesus did a lot of things while he was on earth, right? He taught the multitudes. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He, he walks on water. He does some incredible things. But for three straight years, the main focus of his ministry was to pour his life and to the 12 disciples. He lived with them for three years. They went everywhere that he went. He would teach the multitudes, and we talked about the, some of the parables this summer. And then he would, he would come back, and he would explain it to his disciples. He would teach them how to pray, and he would mo model for them how to live the Christian life. They saw him pouring his life into others. Jesus Christ, he, he taught the multitudes, he, he, he loved everybody, he healed many people, but he focused on a few. He focused on pouring his life into the 12, and then within the 12, we have an inner circle, right? Peter, James, and John. He would take Peter, James, and John, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, and, 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 and in the Garden of Gethsemane, and these other places, it was the three, and then he had the one, he had Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And we know that he, he pours his life into Peter, and Peter ends up preaching at Pentecost, and he becomes the, the pastor of the first church. So if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, only had the capacity to disciple and pour his life into 12 people, what kind of capacity do we have to pour our lives into like we're working jobs, and we have families, and we have kids, and we have all these activities. How many people can we disciple? How many people can we pour our lives into if the Son of God could only pour his life into 12 and one of those fell away? All right. Let me give you a definition of discipleship so we're all on the same page. And this comes from the book Discipleship by Alan Hadidian. So it's discipling others is the process by which... A Christian with a, a life worth emulating. That's very important. We're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. 
a Christian with a life worth emulating, commits himself or herself for an extended, extended period of time to a few individuals who have been won to Christ, the purpose being to aid and guide their growth to maturity and equip them to reproduce themselves in a third spiritual generation. It's basically an older Christian coming alongside of a younger Christian and saying, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. It's one-on-one, one man discipling another man, one woman discipling Another woman. We have the example of Paul and Timothy. Paul says to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, You then, my son, wasn't his physical son, it was his spiritual son. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And so you have the apostle Paul taking young Timothy under his wing and, and, and pouring into him and investing in him and discipling him. Men discipling men. Women discipling women. We have the example in Titus chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. It's one man discipling another man. It's one woman discipling another woman. It's, it's, it's an older woman coming to a younger woman and saying, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Let me model for you. Let me teach you how to be a godly wife and how to be a godly mother and how to raise your kids in a Christian home and how to study the word of God and, and how to pray. It's a godly man coming, coming alongside a younger believer and saying, let me, let me model for you what it's like to be a godly husband. What, what it's like to be a Christian father, to, to raise your kids in, in the church and in the word of God. What, what it's like to be a Christian businessman. What it's like to be a godly coach. Follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. It's doing life together. It's praying together. It's encouraging one another. First Thessalonians 2 8 says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. It's going deep in relationships with a few people. It's not only sharing the word of God, of course it's centered on Jesus Christ and the Word of God. But it's doing life together. It's living life together. Cooking out and grilling out and going to games and playing golf and going shopping and getting together for coffee and texting one another, encouraging one another and praying for one another and being there for one another and doing life together. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Are you stepping in what I'm laying down? That's a new one. Pick that up this summer. Pick that up. I think I picked that up in Boston. So we're going deep in relationships. Men's discipleship groups, right? A leader, an apprentice, and, and, and three or four others getting together to, 
to pray and to study the Word of God and to do life together and hold each other accountable and, and help us all grow to spiritual maturity. It's women's discipleship groups and student discipleship groups and children's discipleship groups. Super excited about this. The last three Sundays, we've been challenging our church to commit to weekly pouring into our kids. I'm happy to report we have 150, over 150 adult volunteers who are committed to discipling our children every Sunday. All right? That's incredible, isn't it? Can I get a wee amen? The pastor in Scotland, he was asking for a wee amen, just a little amen. We have over 50 volunteers committed every Sunday night, every Wednesday night to discipling our middle school and high school kids. The same leader, the same leader every week. Discipling. Jesus Christ had 12. These leaders can have fewer than that, right? Every week, pouring into them, praying for them, encouraging them, texting them, giving them godly counsel and direction and helping them deal with the challenges of living a godly Christian life in middle school and high school. Do you know how hard that is in this day and age? But you've got a, little, a young adult who is committed to modeling for the kids and praying for the kids and pouring into the kids, right? Men discipling the boys and women discipling the girls. Isn't that exciting? That our, our kids are being poured into and discipled. We have over 200 adults committed to discipling the next generation. Making disciples. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all we, I was talking. I was talking earlier about the importance of our kids being around the right group of people. More is caught than taught. You know, you become like the people you spend time with. You, you're shaping and molding and developing their character. Yes, we're, we're going to be teaching on Sunday morning. We're going to be teaching the Word and but it's life on life. One man discipling another man, one woman discipling another woman, a young adult discipling the students, students discipling the kids. Number three, we make disciples exponentially through the power of multiplication. 2 Timothy 2, 2, the Apostle Paul says, and the things you've heard me say, now the Apostle Paul is talking to young Timothy, we read this verse earlier, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you know, Paul was a life worth emulating. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Well, you take what I, what I have poured into you, and you entrust this into reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And so you have the Apostle Paul and he pours his life into Timothy. And he tells Timothy to pour his life into reliable men. And these reliable men are then to 
pour, pour their lives into others. And so you have the process of multiplication, the power of multiplication. We see, we see this happening. I, w- I want to draw this out for you, how this is happening in my life. So I, I had a guy by the name of Keith Nix, and I got a picture here of Keith and I, okay? I first met Keith when I was uh, 17 years old. I had just become a Christian, one-month-old Christian. He, he was a senior in college. I was a senior in high school. He started pouring his life into me, investing in me, discipling me. He actually recruited me to Jacksonville State to play tennis. He was on the tennis team, play tennis at Jacksonville State, and be discipled by him. And he poured his life into me. He slept on my dorm room floor. He was a fifth-year senior. I was a freshman. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. And he modeled for me what it was like to be a Christian in college. And I grew in my faith, and I had the opportunity to, to disciple guys at Jacksonville State. Well, then I, after college, I went on staff with Campus Outreach, and I went to West Georgia. And I had the opportunity to disciple a guy named Larry. Larry Mack. We got a picture of Larry and I. And y'all are kind of seeing my hair through the years here. <laughs> but I had the opportunity to, to pour my life into Larry and disciple him for a few years. And uh, Larry ended up discipling some guys at West Georgia, and then he ended up going to University of Montevallo and discipled some guys there and, and poured his life into some men there. And then he ended up moving back to Snellville, and he began discipling some guys uh, in Snellville, some college students. Y'all know some of them. Uh, Adam Wilson, Jim Hollinsworth, Matt Shirley, some of the, some of the you know, original founders of Greystone Church. And Larry began pouring his life into Adam, Adam Wilson. And I don't have a picture of Larry and Adam. I, w- I wish I did. But, you know, back then we didn't take pictures like we do today. We didn't have to do, do the selfie thing back then, you know. Uh, they were too cool to be taking pictures. But Larry poured his life into Adam. Uh, Adam and Larry were original members of Greystone. They both preached at Greystone. And then Adam poured his life in, into several men, but a guy named Kelly McCart. Kelly McCart's married to one of our rock star children's pastors, Lee McCart. And Adam had the opportunity to pour his life into, into Kelly and to help, help Kelly grow and help, help Kelly uh, grow to spiritual maturity. Uh, Kelly now serves as one of our elders. And then Kelly's had the opportunity to side with some men, and he poured his life into a guy named Britt, Britt Bowen. Got a picture here of uh, Kelly discipling Britt. Actually, Kelly was rocking a pretty cool beard back then. And Britt's growing in, in his faith. And it's kind of neat to see Britt, his, his whole family's come to faith and been baptized. And so you have this, this process of multiplication, this, this power of multiplication. And so, so Keith, he's never met Adam. He's never met Kelly. He's never met Britt. But yet because he chose to invest his life in, into me, He's had an impact in, in these men's lives and their families' lives. But, but I, want, I, want you, I want you to see something here, okay? Because I wasn't the only guy that Keith discipled. This is just, this is just one thread. There, there are about 100 men 
that Keith discipled, okay? Now, Larry's not the only guy that I've discipled over the last 30-something years. There's about 100 men that I have had the opportunity to disciple. Men in Georgia, men in Alabama, men in Mississippi, men in Texas, men in Florida, who have multiplied their lives, right? I had the opportunity to lead to Christ and disciple some guys down in Mexico, in Brazil, in Thailand, and they're discipling men and, and multiplying, okay? Uh, I, men, I mentioned Larry. You know, Larry, Adam's not the only guy he discipled. He, he's discipled dozens of guys. Some, some of the guys that Larry, one guy serves as a missionary in India, been there 15 years, can't mention his name for, for safety reasons. Some of the guys he discipled are pastors, they're coaches, they're, they're businessmen. You know, we're talking like this, this phase here, thousands, over a thousand men, okay? hundred men discipling ten men. It's a thousand, right? Are you all with me? Over, over the course of time. And these thousand guys, I would, you know, if they did ten guys each, we're looking at 10,000 men. And if these guys continue to multiply, we're looking at over 100,000 men. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Or are you stepping in what I'm laying? Okay, we're talking the power of multiplication. Reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And we're talking over 100,000 people being impacted because this guy right here took an interest in a 17-year-old kid with a blonde mullet who had just become a Christian and didn't even know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. But because he invested in me, thousands and thousands of people around the United States and world Lives have been changed for all eternity. Okay. We're talking about dominating our community with the love of Jesus Christ. It, talks, it, it's, it happens one person at a time. One man pouring his life into another man. One woman pouring her life into another woman. We're, we're not just, the goal is not just to become a disciple. The goal is to become a multiplying discipler. Disciples, discipling, disciples, discipling, disciples. The goal is to become a multiplying disciple maker to the fourth generation. Becoming a spiritual great grandparent. Are you with me? Like a, a spiritual grandparent that you have four generations you have grand grandkids that are walking with God and pouring their lives into others. It's a process. It takes time. It takes spiritual maturity. It takes a long-term commitment. But it begins with you putting your arm around a younger believer and saying, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Let's do life together. Let's walk through life together. Let me model for you how to be a Christian businessman, how to be a godly coach, 
How to love your wife as Christ loved the church. How to disciple your kids. How to pour your life into your kids so that your kids are going to walk with God for a lifetime. So here's the application. Here's what I'm asking everybody to do. And this is everybody at all of our campuses, everybody online. I want to ask you today to commit to the process of being discipled and making disciples. This will happen. Okay, this, this will happen. Commit to the process. So, you know, I want to be discipled. We're going to spend the next nine weeks talking about what are the nine marks of a disciple. We're launching discipleship groups in September. Men's groups, women's groups, student groups. I mean, every, every Wednesday night, Sunday night students, they're getting discipled. Our children are being discipled on Sunday mornings. Which is great, right? We come in here, we can, we can worship, and we can be taught the Word of God and know that our kids are being discipled every single Sunday by a leader who loves them and cares for them. If you want to be discipled, we have a group for you, okay? So, so here's how everybody's going to respond to the challenge. We have these new wristbands, Making and Multiplying Disciples, the bands are going to come out at all of our campuses. The wristbands are going to be on the stage. And if you're willing to commit to the process of being discipled and making disciples, then you come, come grab a wristband, put it on your hand, and it's a reminder every day. This is, this is the vision. Making and multiplying disciples. This is what God has called us to do. This is what I'm giving my life to. This is the vision of our church. And you commit to the process and seeing God use you to change somebody else's life for all eternity. All right, let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the great commission. I thank you that you have called us to give our lives to something that's so much bigger than ourselves. And you modeled for us how to do it. <laughs> we thank you that your son, Jesus, poured his life into the twelve. And Jesus gives them the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. I pray, I pray, God, that this would be the business of Greystone Church. That we're about making disciples. Men pouring their lives into men. Women pouring their lives into women. Students being discipled by young adults. Our kids being discipled by faithful volunteers. I pray, God, one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, when someone asks us, what's your business at Greystone Church? We say, our, our business is making disciples. How's business? Business is booming. God, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a part of the Great Commission, to be a part of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And we don't, we don't have to to have all these incredible gifts and talents and all these things, all we have to do is be available, faithful, available, and teachable, pour our lives into to one or two others. God, I thank you for this new season of ministry at Greystone Church. Thank you for this, this sense of excitement, and I thank you for this buy-in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.